Aren't you glad you have the Holy Spirit in your heart tonight? Yeah. It's such a blessing. I appreciated that sister's testimony and having the courage to come up and testify. Pray that God would bless her abundantly. I'm glad to say that I'm converted and sanctified. People all over this world, when they open up the scriptures and they begin searching, they find that second blessing of holiness. Whether it's just a few people uh, reading the Bible in in a house meeting, or somebody opening up a Gideon Bible in a hotel, or somebody in a third world country, when people are sincere, they find that this information that we're going to talk to you about tonight is true because it comes right from the Word of God. We have a motto that's in many of our church buildings, and it really simplifies things. And it says, no creed but Christ, no law but love, and no guide but the Bible. And so when you come to Christ Sanctified Holy Church for a meeting, we don't have a lot of other printed supplemental literature that we can give you. We don't have a lot of other information. I was in a church service one time when they had an, uh, they, what they called an altar call, and everybody had to just come up and stand and uh, uh, repeat something out loud, and then everybody was kind of uh, sent uh, to a side room so they could give them this other information about how to explain everything they believed. And I thought the Bible is not that complicated. That's right. Now, it may be hidden from the wise and prudent, but it is revealed to babes in Christ. Yes, it is. And we can understand these things about repenting of our sins and then receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like where the sister read in the second chapter of Acts. Amen. Now, when I was in a, a younger in Wichita, Kansas, I, I helped and worked in an inner city, uh, African Amer- predominantly African-American church in uh, Wichita, Kansas. And so I really appreciated that time. And many people that were there in that inner city church had so much less than I did. And all their prayers were, thank you, God, for what you're doing for me. And they would say, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let's give God a praise in this building tonight. And it would really... At first, it made me feel bad for complaining about the things in my life and seeing people that had so little that were lifting up such praise to God. But I want to tell the sister that for a year of my life, I went to a church where I was the only one that looked like me. (laughs) So I know how you feel. And God would would enjoy for us to have more diversity. We are a church that believes in allowing women to preach. We... uh, believe in gender equality when it comes to preaching. Many churches do not allow women in the pulpit, but in the book of Acts, everything changed. It says that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So we uh, really enjoyed Sister uh, Kay's sermon on uh, Monday, and she brought about the uh, Old Testament tabernacle and all the components of that tabernacle and did a beautiful job of describing all the types and shadows that the pattern was in heaven. The pattern came down to earth, but then Jesus Christ himself became uh, the veil, became his flesh, and it was ripped and torn so that we might with boldness enter into the holiest by a new and a living way, that is to say by his very flesh that was ripped and torn on the cross. And now we can enter to that holiest by the new and living way. And so if we didn't allow women preachers, we wouldn't have been blessed with that beautiful message and all those types and shadows and the understanding that God opened our hearts with on Monday night. So we th- we're thankful for that. Yes. We're, th- we're thankful that the Bible says there's not Jew or Greek. That's right. There's not bond nor free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. And James is very clear that if somebody comes in in the nice apparel... 
and then we sit them up front and somebody comes in that doesn't have a lot of money or is homeless and we push them to the back that we're in a very dangerous position because the Bible says that if you do respect persons you do sin and we are a church that preaches against sin right? and so it's okay to preach against sin all sin is wrong and if you do respect the persons, the Bible is very clear that that's sin. And if it's in your heart, it's something you need to repent of. Amen. There are lots of things that the Bible says that we should be chastised for. Amen. But respect to persons is very clear in the scriptures that is sin and is not accepted with God. So there's not Jew or Greek. There's not bond or free. But all are welcome in the house of the living God. Yes, amen. So we want to let the sister know how welcome she is in the house of God, how welcome each one of you are in the house of God. There are many here that may be here for the first time, and we welcome you in the house of God. And we, everything we preach is going to come directly from the Bible tonight. And this scripture that we read, and we pray that the Holy Ghost would anoint the word. And we preach without fear or favor of man. But we preach what we would want, what the Lord would want us to have tonight and ask the saints to pray for me as we open up the word of God, that his word might have free course and that the Holy Spirit might have his way, that I might stand behind the cross and that you might see Jesus only because it's only Jesus that can satisfy the longing of our hearts. And we are all one in Christ Jesus. We pray for God's people. We pray for unity. We pray for oneness in Christ. We pray that God would move in amongst our church and that his Holy Spirit would move. And that's what we've been seeing these last two days. With people coming to the altar, it wasn't necessarily that uh, there was some great or elaborate sermon. But as the, as the young people were worshiping the Lord and, and they were testifying and singing praises unto God, the Holy Spirit descended. Right. Spirit and one man. after one, people were coming to an altar. They're coming to an altar of prayer. And uh, we thank God for each one of them. We pray that each one would be established in the faith. We're thankful that we have local churches that people can go back home to and get established and have discipleship. We thank for that that God is reaching in new areas. I've been going to Old Trap for about six or seven months on Sunday mornings, and we've seen one get get sanctified there. Many are under conviction. We ask you pray for them. We're thankful to see uh, the outpouring uh, on Sunday night of all those that uh, from Leesburg that had received God in their heart. You know where Brother Gary's ministering. A lot of people they don't have a lot of background in Christ sanctified Holy Church. Many of the ones he's preaching to, they don't have a lot of knowledge, but we can open up this Word of God, and that same Word can be alive to somebody that's never heard it before, and they can experience that. And you may say, well, uh, we just want this just to be for these few and the ones that, that, that uh, you know, have a good history in the church. If you think about where this started on Sheikatik Island, they went out into the highways and to the hedges, and they compelled them to come in. Amen. And unless we get back to that, we're not going to see growth. But if we really want to see growth, we've got to go out into the highways, out into the hedges, and compel uh, people to come in. And then God will do those things. And so we give him all honor and glory and pray that God would create church growth, that people would feel welcome and invited in the house of God. Glad that the sister felt welcome there. We pray they have many more that come in and feel, feel welcome. Many that need to be converted, sanctified. Many that have already, may already have an experience of conversion and they need to hear about the Holy Ghost. Others like the sister have experienced the power of the Holy Ghost. And we take them at their testimony and bring them in and allow them to fellowship so that we might be an evangelical church and go back to the roots of reaching out to people that we might win the loss for Jesus Christ. 
we're here for a very short amount of time. And God did not plant the church so that we just might preach to ourselves and just maintain. That is not the purpose of the church. The church is supposed to be the lighthouse to hurting and broken people. To reach out to them to let them know that whosoever will may drink of the river of life freely. That's what the purpose of the church is. And so we need to be very careful when new people come into the church to really rally around them and make them feel welcome in the house of the living God. Tonight, I'd like to talk about the subject of the kingdom of God. The subject is very near and dear to my heart, and the scriptures are very clear on this topic, although there's very much confusion uh, in the world today concerning this topic. There are hundreds of theories, and I've studied many of them, and as I begin to study these theories, I I myself get very confused about uh, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, millennium, uh, uh, all these things are going to happen, events, second judgments, third judgments, a great white throne, I can't figure out where they're going with this, uh, the mark of the beast, Armageddon, and all this literature that people get when they come to churches, and I think, if I didn't know anything about God and I got all of this, I would go home and go, I just wanted to learn about Jesus. <laughs> what is all this? I just want to know about Jesus. I got some problems in my life. I need to know how to get out of sin and, and walk holy. I, that's a lot of information. But uh, this is uh, tonight I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God. And Sister Kay, as she was talking about the tabernacle, and she led all the way up to that everything is, 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 comes to Jesus Christ and to that kingdom of God. So I just want to kind of start where she ended her sermon and talk more specifically about what is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? When is the timing for the kingdom of God? Which is a very, very important question. And what does that mean to me today? There are kingdom principles for us today as believers. And as I was very young, growing up, I was not taught a lot of these kingdom principles. These kingdom principles, if we believe the kingdom of God is available to us today, and it's a spiritual kingdom, there are many principles associated with this kingdom that can help you have victory from day to day. For example, if, the, if you're going through your work day or you're going through a troubling time and the enemy comes to you or somebody says you're not going to be able to do this, the kingdom principle is to go to Philippians and say, no, the Bible tells me that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If the enemy comes and says, I'm going to form something in the future that's going to destroy you and you're worried about your future, then you go back to Isaiah and say, no, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is my heritage and your heritage today. Praise the Lord. When the tongue comes against me in judgment, I can stay in the Word. I can live by kingdom principles. Now, if I believe that the kingdom is some future time or the kingdom's going to be over in Jerusalem, going to be set up, then I don't know if these promises in the Bible are for me today. So tonight, my point is not to speak in a negative way or in a disparaging way on any of the things that other uh, people may believe. Many people are raised in different ways, but I want to say it's a very positive message to believe that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom as the Bible teaches us, and it empowers the church to live a victorious life and to live with kingdom principles that are from the very beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. All these promises are mine. They are yay. They are positive. They they help us to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. And I want to apply more of these 
kingdom Absolutely. principles to my life. And as the brother read in Revelation, I want to take the whole book Amen. and I want to eat it up. Amen. And it may be sweet at first. It may be bitter to my belly. It may be cause me to make some changes, but it will produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness yes. if we live in kingdom principles. Yes. And so... When we come to an issue, as many issues are, where there's many different opinions on a topic, to me, we always have to go back to the Word of God. And not to, to piecemeal the Word of God and try to pull up one piece in Revelation and one piece. As many people say, well, one will be taken, one will be left, and then you can go over to Revelation 20 and try to... I want to know what the, all the total of God's Word has to say on a topic. And so we want to read through a couple of scriptures. Don't want to take too much time, but we want the Holy Spirit to have his way tonight and for God's God to have his way tonight. And so if you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to come out to church if you're sitting down in the congregation to bring your Bible with you and know, as the sister was doing, that she's going to read along and know that everything we're reading is going to come directly from the Word of God. So I see many of you opening up your Bibles tonight and know that this is the living Word of God. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd ask that you turn with me to the 17th chapter of the book of Luke. The 17th chapter of the book of Luke, and I'll give you just a second to turn there because I want you to see that what I'm reading tonight, if you've never heard this before, is coming directly from the Word of God. Not something that we've made up or I've made up, but this is uh, directly from the Scriptures and from the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I see many of you turning there, reading in the, the 17th chapter of the book of Luke. It says in verse 20, and, and I want to talk about what is the kingdom of God? When is the timing for the kingdom of God and what does that mean to us today? And, you know, Jesus taught, while you're turning there, I want to quote a scripture from that Jesus taught us that the law and the prophets were killed John. Timing. Since that time. From that time on. The kingdom of God is preached, and men press into it. So this begins to help us understand the timing of the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus was walking this earth, he kept saying the kingdom of God is at hand. What that means, going back to the original Greek there, is that it was very, very close. It was very near, and he told his disciples that some of you standing here shall not taste death until you see the kingdom come with power. So it was very close, it was at hand, it was near. And so the Pharisees trying to trip Jesus up, as Pharisees like to do, they came to Jesus and said, and when he was demanded, in verse 20, chapter 17, verse 20, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when? When? There you go. The kingdom of God should come. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. So first of all, he tells us what it, not, what it isn't. You're not going to look for it over in Jerusalem. You're not going to find it. We're not going to set up this one city where everybody has to travel to. And thankfully, with the cost of airfare, we don't all have to fly over to Jerusalem to find the kingdom of God. And he made that very clear to them. When they said, what is the, well, give us a sign of thy coming. And in the end of the world, he was standing or standing outside of the temple. And he said, you're looking to this temple, and you have looked to this temple for many years, but not one stone is going to be left unturned in this temple. And in 70 AD, the Romans came and destroyed that Old Testament temple, and all we have left uh, in Jerusalem is the, uh, is the out, outer walls, and they call it the Welling Wall. And, and they put prayers in there, and they cry and weep. 
But the New Testament church is not weeping because it says, Weep not, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to loose those seals. And so we're not weeping. We're not putting uh, prayers and folding them up anymore, but our prayers are ascending directly to heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ and through a new and living way. So let's find out, first of all, what it's not. It's, he says the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You can buy a great pair of binoculars and you will not find the kingdom of God that way. Just, these are Jesus' words right here. So you may, may say, well, what is the kingdom of God? Everybody's looking for it. It's all over the media. People are trying to find it. People are setting uh, rapture dates and guaranteeing uh, March 19th that it, that it would come then. And all these things and confusion. Everybody's looking for it. The media is searching. And so all they had to do is turn to verse 21 in the 17th chapter of the book of Luke. It says, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So he gave us a very clear understanding of what the kingdom of God is. Now, when Apostle Paul came along, they were arguing about things like meats and drinks and things like that. And things, uh, uh, you know, offered to uh, sacrifices offered to idols. And if the meat was uh, sacrificed at one time, even if it was cleansed and came back, uh, many of them did not want to partake of that. And, 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 and for some it was okay. They didn't, didn't, didn't affect their spirit. And so there's all kinds of arguments about these literal things of what the kingdom of God was. And the Apostle Paul encouraged him to write something to clear up this topic. And he said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. So what is it? But he said, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This sounds like what he's saying is in perfect complement with the words of Christ. He had found the kingdom of God down in his heart. He said the kingdom of God. It's not meat and drink. It's not literal temporal things. But it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that tonight? You can experience that kingdom with the new birth. And so we, we step back in time, 600 years before Christ, and we see, and if you turn to the book of Daniel in the second chapter, we find that when Israel disobeyed, they went, they went captive into Babylon. And because of disobedience, but God was still working with men like Daniel and giving him these visions in the night. And in these visions and working with these Many times wicked kings, God was giving Daniel a holy vision and an understanding of a coming kingdom of God. And many people would like to go to Daniel and tie them to prophecies and revelation. And Daniel had an, had an image, an understanding of what the kingdom of God was. And it's beautiful to see how God was working 600 years before the time of Christ. To give us today a better understanding of the kingdom of God. If you could find another book that has uh, 66 different books and uh, every writer, different writers writing uh, with, uh, with the inspiration of the Holy Ghost at different times through span of uh, thousands of years and it agrees perfectly, I would love to see that book. But that book doesn't exist except for the living Word of God, the Bible that we're reading from today. And Daniel agreed perfectly with Christ and he agreed perfectly with Apostle Paul. Yes, he did. And so Nebuchadnezzar, here in the second chapter, reading in the second chapter of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar gave a very difficult task. He had a, a dream, it disturbed him. But when he woke, he was disturbed, but he could not remember the dream. So he brought his astrologers and magicians up front, and he said, uh, I've got something for you to do. I want you to remember my dream and then interpret it. 
And and when I read a lot uh, more about Nebuchadnezzar, he was kind of a, a he was kind of a hothead. He would blow up and then say, if you didn't do what he said, well then just kill every all the all the wise men. That's what he did. He just he was so upset. That was his response to it. He 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 ruled by irrational anger, and he did this many times. You know, and, and you can see. So he said, you're either going to do this or you're going to die. And they they told him this is impossible. But what is impossible with men is possible with God. And God was beginning to reveal things to Daniel in night visions and, and dreams. And uh, they went to Daniel because they knew the God that he served. And they knew that God could reveal this to them. And God did, did indeed reveal the dream and the interpretation. And God and used that to bless Daniel. And he used it to bless Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And I call them by their Hebrew names. Because those are their legitimate names. But we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Babylonian names that were given to them. But their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Those were the companions. And those were the, the God-given Hebrew names that they were given. And so God used that to bless them. And so reading here in the 20th and the 19th verse of the second chapter of Daniel, it says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings. Oh, look at what God does. We think we have so much power as individuals and we can do all these things. He removeth kings. He setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is the darkness and the light dwelleth in him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who hath given me wisdom and might and hath made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said, Thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. There is life-giving power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, Destroy them not. Bring unto me the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste. He brought him in because they were getting ready to kill all these wise men. And said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto thee the king's interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. I tell you, when you look out to the world for wisdom and advice and counsel, and you're looking to there for earthly pleasure, and I'm going to tell you that there's nothing in the world that can satisfy. The only thing that satisfies tonight is Jesus Christ. And I know that to be true. I turned away from God for a, little, for a little short while, and I found how much that darkness quickly entered my heart, and I was heading down a right wrong direction, but God turned my life around, but I saw how quickly that the world can take you down. And I have no desire for the world today because I saw the great darkness that is in the world. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dreams and thy visions on the head of thy bed are these. And for thee, O king, thy thought came into my mind upon thy bed what should come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes. 
that shall be known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightst know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, and his feet part iron and part clay. And he begins to reveal these things, and God began to reveal to him that there was going to be four kingdoms. Uh, that Babylonian kingdom was who he was representing and talking to, but he was going to tell them later that the Persian uh, Medes and Persians were going to overtake that kingdom and would be that second kingdom, that second part of this image. And then later on, the Greeks would take over uh, the earth as we knew it. And then after that, that fourth kingdom would be the Roman Empire, that great and awesome power of the Roman Empire. And how could God set up his kingdom that would overthrow the uh, Roman Empire and, that, and set up a kingdom that could never be destroyed. But something different was happening when Christ was coming. That all the theologies of the Roman gods and the Greek gods and all the Babylonian activities and, and uh, the sensual activities that were happening in, the, in those dark cities. That Jesus would come in as the light and the truth. And he would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And he says here in verse 34, Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image on his feet. There were iron and clay, and brake them into pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and it filled the whole earth. It goes on to say in verse 44, And the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall be not, le not left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all of these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. No matter how great these kingdoms were, and no matter how great the Romans, uh, uh, the roadways and systems and bridges and everything they built were, this was kingdom was going to be greater, and every one of those kingdoms had an end to it. But when we enter into by sanctification into the everlasting kingdom of life, this kingdom has no end. We have everlasting life, and we can pass from death to life all the way into eternity. It's a, the songwriter was so blessed when he got this concept after he received the Holy Ghost. He wrote the words... It's a kingdom of peace. It's reigning within. It shall ever increase in my soul. We possess it right here. When we're saved from all sin and will last while the ages shall roll. He said there's a scene of his grandeur before me, of his greatness. There can be no end. It's joy. It's peace. It's glory. And in my heart, how these riches do blend. He got a hold of that, of that kingdom and he wrote about that. And the interpretation was sure. Yes. Moving along to the first chapter of Acts, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is within you. What is the timing of the kingdom of God? The, the uh, apostles, after all the teachings of Christ, they were still interested in if Christ was going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, even right before the day of Pentecost. It was interesting how much he taught about parables of the kingdom. That they, I find it interesting and fascinating that they would ask this question. But to me, it shows how important it is that we receive the Holy Spirit in our heart. Amen. Because without the Holy Spirit, no matter how much learning we have and knowledge we have and we continue to learn, we're never going to be, like the scripture says, ever learning. But never coming to the knowledge of the truth. But when you get baptized by fire, right, brother? That's right. When you get baptized by fire, then you can open up this Word of God and have a greater understanding than some doctoral divinity that's sitting up in his ivory tower in Harvard. 
you can have a greater understanding because the kingdom of God has come into your heart. So reading in the uh, first chapter of Acts, they're going to ask about the timing again of the kingdom of God. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto all the possible, uh, all apostles he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of them the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You know, this, uh, more than anything, the disciples after the day of Pentecost preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and preparing their hearts for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, 2,000 years later, we're still preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the present kingdom of God. And, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which she said, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When therefore they were come together, they asked him, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And now this is just my opinion, but I can imagine him being so disheartened as he's telling them to prepare for the Holy Ghost and that kingdom is getting ready to come. And they ask this question, is, is this the time you're going to set up the kingdom in, in Jerusalem? Is this what, what's going to happen? And after all the things that have happened about Peter uh, cutting off Malchus' ear and Jesus picking up the ear and healing him and telling them he could have called legions of angels if he wanted to. And that those that kill, kill by the sword will be killed by the sword. He sat before Pilate and, 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 and he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. And after all the things they saw, they asked this question, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So he answers them this way. He said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put into his own power. But when he explained the kingdom of God, he didn't go through a long list of brochures and examples and time periods and things like that and wait here and there and all these things will happen. Here's what he says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So he gave a very clear understanding of what the kingdom of God was. The last place I want to read, if you're still following along with your Bibles, in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, where we understand what, what Mount Zion is, what the kingdom of God is. All these things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. As Sister Kay said, that pattern came down on earth, and then the pattern went back to heaven, and now we are all one in Christ Jesus, and we can sit together in heavenly places now in Christ Jesus. And so it's a wonderful thing. And so he begins to explain the things concerning the kingdom of God, and, and the, the, the writer of Hebrews, many think it was Apostle Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews in the 12th chapter and the 18th verse. He says, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched. Speaking of the literal things, that literal Mount Sinai. And that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice that they heard entreated, that the words should not be spoken for them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned, thrust through with a dart. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, 
I exceedingly fear and quake. And there was so much of God's glory and they couldn't handle the glory. When God came down, they said, put a, put a veil over his face. There was so much glory and they, they couldn't receive that glory. It was hard for them to look upon it. And that's not the mount that we've come to. And there was so much glory. There was, uh, had to be a veil over his face. But it goes on to say in the scriptures that we are changed into the same image of God. From glory to glory into that image of God. Through the conversion and sanctification. Through the washing and regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. All these examples, types and shadows of the holy place and the holiest of all. Of the, the sister gave of the brazen altar leading before the holy place representing conversion. And then all those things, the table of shoe bread and that she read about. And all the golden candlesticks and then the golden altar representing sanctification. And then the veil of the temple that we can enter in through his flesh into the holiest way. And then the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded in there, and the, and the pot of manna, and then the cherubims uh, over that, and the mercy seat showing that God's mercy would be so great that you and I could enter into the holiest place by a new and living way. Amen. And so he says, so, and all these are types and shadows of these two works of grace in the plan of salvation. And so, but ye have come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, uh, uh, Brother Arthur, to an innumerable company of angels. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. They're surrounding us, seeing we are surrounded and by so encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. And numeral company angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. We can preach an entire sermon on church of the firstborn. Now, we're not going to do that tonight. But there's so much in this, packed in these scriptures, which are written in heaven. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that uh, Sister Kay, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not, he who refused and spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifying the removing of those things which are shaken as the things which are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 28, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Do not let the devil tell you that he can overthrow you, that you have to fall when you get a hold of this kingdom. And as Sister Kay was preaching, as you grab a hold of the horns of the golden altar and say, I want sanctification and God's presence more than I want life itself, nothing can shake you. The world around you may shake and there might not be much remain in your life. As Brother Gary said, you might only have 401 in your 401k, but you grab a hold of the altar and say, I want Jesus. Jesus only, only he can satisfy. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Speaking of that holy fire that we preach about, verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. And I pray that fire of Pentecost that consumes all sin and dross would fall on us tonight. And if you've been shaken by the things that you've heard tonight, you, have a, you can, have, can have a response. You can say, well, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about, and I am out of here. And the only decision I have to make now is steak or chicken. Or you, can, or you can respond to the Holy Spirit and say, maybe the God was working through the Word tonight 
and the conviction that I feel in my heart is coming from the Holy Spirit, and you can respond. If you have a need tonight, God wants to meet that need. We want everybody to stay, if you can, in the building while we stand for altar service and respect the altar service and know that the flowing of the Spirit, God's Spirit is here. If you have any need, we want to pray with you and for you. This is the place where the fire can fall, where burdens can be lifted at Calvary, where sins can be forgiven, where people can be baptized with fire, where any need can be met at this holy fire here. We want the fire in our services to fall. We want to be known as that old time a Pentecostal Holy Ghost filled fire filled church where they uh, they shout and they sing and they don't care what people think about them because they've got something to be excited about let the holy fire fall so as we stand and sing a song closing if you have any need and God is working in your life we ask you to come forward and we'll pray with you and for you let's all stand amen